and welcome to the Local Government Association and UCL's Net Zero podcast series, Together Towards Net Zero. I'm Olivia Lancaster, advisor at the Local Government Association for our Climate Change Improvement Programme. This new podcast series aims to reflect on and share learnings from our recently launched Net Zero Innovation Programme, bringing together councils and universities. As you may be aware, many councils across the UK have declared a climate emergency. In this series, we're focusing on stories from our Net Zero programme to help shine a light on how councils and universities can work together to co-create solutions to meet councils' climate commitments. Each podcast brings together participants with expertise on the topic to explore the opportunities and challenges of the programme together. In this episode, we'll be discussing how our partnerships are looking to the future and the impact their projects may have in a national and global context. COP26 is taking place this year and it will be important to explore how local government can play a role and have a voice in climate change decision making. We'll talk about how they have found this when I'll be catching up with partners from South Gloucestershire Council, the London Borough of Lambeth and London South Bank University. This series is funded by UCL Public Policy and brought to you by the LGA and UCL, connecting the work of research with the world of local government. Today are Barry Wyatt, Climate Emergency Manager for Climate Change in Planning and Regeneration Team at South Gloucestershire Council, Hannah Jameson, Assistant Director of Sustainable Development and Climate Change for Lambeth Council, and Dr. Aaron Gillick, Director of the Bisra LSBU Net Zero Building Centre Net Zero for London South Bank University. Barry, I'd like to start with you. Could you tell me a little bit about your area of expertise and why you were interested in joining our programme? Hi, Olivia. Uh, thanks very much. My area of expertise is largely from a planning background, and I've morphed into a, a climate emergency manager. Uh, I guess my area of interest is particularly around behavioural change. Uh, the council's adopted a year one and a year two action plan, and there's actions within that action plan, which we know have significant behavioural change implications. And then I'm aware, also aware of the gulf between kind of academic research and implementation within a local authority context. And so the programme brings together really well the ability to merge that academic approach with the kind of practical realities of working in local government and trying to operationalise a climate emergency action plan. Thank you, Barry. And could you maybe describe your project a little bit more in detail for us? So the project is essentially the development of a toolkit. We don't quite know what that toolkit is going to look like until we get to the end of the programme. But essentially, it's coming up with a, a a basket of measures that we can apply to particular projects and the projects we're using are those with within which our, our climate emergency year one action plan focuses on which is domestic retrofit um, active travel and working with colleagues in our local strategic partnership who largely are representative of the business community and we kind of recognize that each of those particular elements is quite a unique approach to how we communicate with those those partners and so what the project is about is, is to define a particular approach based upon those based upon those three different partners to try and tailor our approaches to get to get maximum engagement and maximum benefit. But recognizing that if you can get a partner engaged in one aspect of the climate emergency, then it's likely they'll migrate into being engaged across other aspects of the climate emergency. Hannah, could I ask you the same question? What is your specialization? and Why were you interested in applying for our program? So my role at Lambeth Council is is twofold, really. It's to lead and facilitate our work as an organisation to become net zero by 2030. So looking at how we deliver our services, um, how we manage our estate to significantly reduce our carbon emissions, but also to kind of build the partnerships across our borough and work with residents, with our businesses, with our public sector partners and knowledge institutions 
to work as a borough toward um, making our contribution to reaching net zero as well. So a, a kind of internal transformation and a facilitating um, positive climate action across the borough. And, and this programme really offered us an opportunity to build on an existing partnership with LSBU. We were very conscious that um, LSBU has a lot of expertise around um, retrofit that we could really benefit of. There are local university um, uh, work with lots of residents in the borough. And it was an opportunity to work together practically to help to, to look at whether uh, we could draw on their expertise and research and use that to help us to rapidly build our knowledge and understanding of the kind of retrofit that we would need to deliver across the borough um, to achieve net zero. And also to think about what the, the skills implications were of that. So what are the kind of skills and supply chains that we will need to, to deliver on that retrofit ambition? And what are the opportunities that we can create to make sure that local people have a, have a chance of gaining employment and increasing their skills in that growing sector of the economy? Great. And Aaron, I guess off the back of that, could you tell me a little bit about your area of expertise and also describe the project that you're working on with Lambeth in a bit more detail? Yes, sure. So my research is about how to decarbonize existing buildings at scale and sort of the system challenges behind that. So the existing buildings are one of the biggest challenges we have in, in, in meeting climate goals because there are no real silver bullets for it. There's no single technology that can come along and save the day. It's about making things sort of link up together. So what I've particularly been interested in for my own research are the links, those links between technology, people and policy and how you can sort of move the right levers at the right time to sort of really drive uh, change at scale. So one of the reasons, as uh, Hannah said, that we were drawn to this project, because it was a chance to sort of um, make some of this work in practice, sort of in LSBU's own backyard. So not just our research, but almost uh, every bit of experience and research on the topic has shown just how important local actors are in all of this. So as I say, it really is a challenge of linking things up. And this is just a wonderful opportunity to, to, to do that, so to help our kind of research to support Lambeth's policy goals. Brilliant, thank you. I wanted to talk a bit more about the wider impacts of your projects and what the future holds for them. So firstly, Hannah, what are the larger impacts that you envisage resulting from the project you're undertaking with Lambeth? Well, for us, you know, retrofit is is not something that we're going to have to think about down the line. It's a, it's a really urgent challenge for us as, as an area. And that's, that's for several reasons. You know, one is that we have set a, a net zero goal for 2030. And, and that means that we don't have long to come up with not just a plan for how we retrofit our own stock that we hold, our own homes and buildings as a local authority, um, but to look right across the borough at privately owned, at our landlord partners, um, to think about how they um, significantly improve the energy efficiency of their buildings and reduce the associated carbon emissions. But also because some of the aspects that we're, that, you know, what we know we're going to need to build is as Aaron says, it's it's a whole system that we need in the UK, and this isn't unique to the UK, but we need a whole systems approach to thinking about retrofit. But here we, we know that there's one particular strand that we need to look at in detail, and that is around the kind of future workforce that we'll need. That's quite acute for us at the moment. We know that we're likely to face uh, labour market shortages in construction for a number of reasons, but not least in London, kind of reduced migration that we have traditionally relied on. So, 
So if we don't start to come up with solutions around that workforce and think about what we can do as local authorities in London to address those potential skills gaps, that will be a real blocker on progress toward our 2030 goal. If we don't have the kind of workforce, if we don't have the supply chains, we won't be able to deliver on retrofit on the scale that we can. So I think some of the benefits of this work are really about helping us to understand our starting point, bringing together different partners, so different types of landlord, different types of kind of building owner together um, to really understand the challenge locally. And what we're looking to build out of that is a really strong partnership based on a kind of common understanding of both the kind of opportunity and the challenge we face locally that can work together on delivery. And that kind of moving from sort of theory and understanding into delivery, um, we want to happen really quickly. So it's very much about kind of applied insight and research, what we can learn quickly and draw themes out of and build that into our kind of um, retrofit programs, which we're already starting to build at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of feeds in quite well to the question I'm about to ask Barry, um, because I know your project has had to take quite a holistic approach as well. So do you also believe that this should be a kind of way forward for other projects that were looking to do something similar? Absolutely. I think the holistic approach links into you know, one of the big challenges with the climate emergency or climate change in that the interrelatedness of the issues, you know, whether we're talking to homeowners, whether we're talking to large employers or whether we're talking to transport users, uh, and that also includes homeowners because homeowners are also transport users. It, it is that interrelatedness of the, the various elements of the climate emergency. So is it the way forward with other projects? Yes, I think it's all about understanding that the client group that you're engaging with, but actually understanding that there's potential boundaries between those client groups, but often those boundaries are, are overlapping. So if you're engaging with a homeowner, that homeowner, as I say, is also a transport user, may also own a business. So no matter what we're doing, we've got half an eye on focusing our communications on what those individual groups are about, but actually recognising that those individual groups actually cross boundaries and they all become one of the the ecosystem of responding to the climate emergency. Excellent. As I mentioned at the start, the COP26 conference is taking place later this year. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So firstly, Barry, how do you think your project outputs could be used by other UK councils, perhaps even internationally? I've got to say, at the moment, we don't know what our outputs are going to be, but I'm hoping that when we get to that stage, it will be some uh, a clear toolkit um, almost as a checkpoint that councils, whether just within the UK or internationally, can be their starting point. So they can make sure that they're tailoring their approach to comms that's re- relevant to the project, but also relevant to the client group they're seeking to engage with. But once again, it's recognising those client groups do overlap with each other. Um, so yeah, depending on what it looks like, I'm hoping that it will be a, a, a regular touch point for other councils um, to actually make sure that the approach they're taking is is suitably nuanced to, to take on the points which we're trying to test in a, in a real life environment. Yeah, absolutely. And Aaron, what role would you assign to innovation and knowledge and experience sharing to get to a net zero goal? What do you think the needs of the local authorities are in each area? It's a really important question, actually. I, I think it goes to that distinction, I think, between technology, people and policy, that it's a uh, we're not going to solve it with individual technology fixes. We're going to need a, a, a few more innovations, but what we're going to need even far more than that is a better deployment and scaling up of the innovations we already have. So knowledge and experience sharing is, is just absolutely fundamental to that. So the second part of your question about what the local authorities' needs are in each area is really bespoke and really specific, which is why I think this, this question of these large national scale 
climate targets, then getting cascaded down to sort of really local plans around climate emergency declarations and all that, and how you translate a big national goal to a local solution is a really, really interesting problem. And that ultimately all comes down to knowledge and experience sharing. So that's what our project is mainly designed to do is to, there's this distinction in policy circles between a specific program where you kind of say, we're going to go do this many light bulbs or install this many uh, heat pumps or something like that. Uh, and what a lot more policies now are striving for is called um, market transformation, which is where you kind of look more holistically across the sort of supply chains that are involved and say, not just exactly, not just the innovations that you need, the technical solutions, but who needs to be involved? How do you sort of build the networks, the sort of the, the boots on the ground? Who needs to speak to whom? And how do you build that up in a way that it can kind of, you create a supply chain, the capacity in that supply chain, and it can kind of run with itself um, the way a lot of other markets do. So um, we we like to compare, uh, you know, building retrofit to things like the uh, market for car sales. You know, you don't need massive programs to support markets for car sales or um, kitchen renovations. Those things tend to just happen. And so where we would love to get with retrofit markets for uh, net zero retrofits is something akin to that, where you kind of uh, the, the supply chains are there. People have access to the skills they need. Uh, they have confidence in it. They can access financing and the uh, council and projects like this are going to try to help build that capacity over the next 10 years here as quickly as we can. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think this theme of collaboration and working in a holistic kind of approach is, is something that I know a lot of the projects across this program are sharing and all reflecting on at this point in the program as well. And Hannah, as accelerating action is one of the main goals of the Glasgow COP26, what is your local authority doing in this area? Well, we're just in the middle of our citizens assembly on the climate crisis at the moment you know as an authority we have taken the decision to to spend the last year or so focusing on what we need to do as an authority to uh, reduce our carbon emissions and get our own house in order but now the now the focus is really on taking that question out to our residents um, our businesses our partners and others and all all of those who have a role in the borough around climate leadership and talking to them about what needs to be done. And critically for us, it's about what does a just transition mean locally? And, you know, local authorities from their outset, from their kind of foundation, have had a really important role in reducing inequality and helping to maintain dignity uh, and create opportunity for people through their kind of services, um, through access to public goods and so on. And that's just as relevant when thinking about climate change too. So we have set for our assembly a question which is about, you know, how do we respond to the climate crisis, but how do we do that in a way that is fair and effective and quick? (laughs) You know, those are the things that we need to focus on. You know, my general rule of thumb and the advice that I, I sort of give to colleagues is that we need to, uh, with, with such a short window in which to act, we need to really focus on the biggest problems first. Um, and I think in the UK, we've sometimes had a tendency to dodge that a bit. Retrofit for me is up there with the, the big problems that we need to tackle first for all the reasons that Aaron alluded to. We want to get to a system where it operates as a as a really self-sufficient market and that there's a kind of a financial model backing it. And we've got the workforce, we've got really good consumer advice, we've got market regulation where we need it to ensure fair outcomes for consumers. But that's a long way from where we are now. So in that in that spirit, you know, where we need to accelerate and and the, the really important role for COP is to put on the table those things which are hardest and biggest and which we need to put more attention on now in order to, to reach net zero by our shared timelines. Absolutely. And and Barry, can I ask you the same question of what South Gloucestershire is doing in terms of 
actioning this acceleration that, we, that is needed. Um, in Santa Claus, we're putting on our own business conference, and it's a green business conference. Um, so we're inviting a number of South Gloucestershire-based business and those in the surrounding area to to come to a conference, largely to talk about that, how they're as an organisation approaching the climate emergency and what their um, direction of travel is in achieving zero carbon from a business point of view. It's particularly interesting at the moment, as we hear back from the kind of property sector, um, that... Uh, companies buying property and extending their property portfolio, particularly focused on kind of corporate social responsibility and buying sustainably and buying buildings which perform against their, their climate objectives. So I think the, the tide is changing pretty rapidly in terms of business approach to achieving uh, a climate emergency. So it's going to be really interesting to, to see what, what they're saying, particularly within South Gloss. We've got businesses such as Rolls-Royce and Airbus. And I, I don't think we can hide from those challenges of you know high consuming carbon businesses and how they're approaching the climate emergency. So it's going to be a, a fascinating, if not um, a very bold event in inviting some of those organizations to speak at a conference. There is a community element to it as well. So inviting members of the community who are active in, in the climate emergency discussion to actually take part in the conference, along with some um, younger people as well. There'll be a kind of a drop-in session where we can hear from them and hear what the climate emergency means for them. So actually connecting those younger people into the business sector, um, along with broader community um, interests. And so they can put their challenges to the business sector to, to hold their feet to the fire slightly, but also hear back from the businesses in terms of what, their, what their, the level of their response is as well. Something that we haven't quite put in place yet, but we're hoping to um, invite a, a number of local authority leaders from across the West of England Combined Authority area to actually present to the conference and to, to set out um, to the conference what their approaches are, but also be subject to some questioning from the, I think it's going to be an actual event as opposed to a virtual event. So, so set out some responses to people's um, live questions from the event itself. So pretty exciting. And it's a, it's a kind of a new innovation for us to, um, expose those decision makers to that direct questioning and, and those decision makers within our large employers within South Gloucestershire as well. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Please do keep us updated on how that goes and what the findings are. It'd be really great to know. I was just going to ask Aaron as well, how can universities help local authorities in accessing and influencing COP? What do you think their role is in leveraging local actions? Programs like this, for a start, are, are, are a wonderful way to, to, to sort of engage and focus it around an active project. So you have sort of um, timelines and things you're working towards. There are quite a few university networks and professional networks kind of uh, building momentum and actions around COP. So I think the, the eyes of the world will be on the UK and, and everyone knows that. <laughs> and so we're mobilizing in response. Uh, there, there's a, a COP26 universities network that LSBU sits on and they've been producing a bunch of sort of guidance papers and they're up to COP. It's funny, there's actually a parallel in, in how universities should be engaging with, uh, with local authorities as how local authorities would engage with, the, with, their, um, with their communities in building retrofit action itself, right? Which is just reach out often, uh, reach out early and reach out often. Um, you want to have as many different lines of communication as possible, as many individuals across different parts of the organization. Um, so I think LSBU and uh, Lambeth have a very healthy relationship in that regard. There are quite a few different meetings that take place around sort of wider strategic issues about how the university could uh, you know, be involved with, uh, with local skills development uh, down to sort of more specific project goals like what Hannah and I are working on. So yeah, reach out as often as possible. So lastly, I wanted to get a final point from you all on how 
you've reflected on the program and, and what you would say your one key takeaway message for university council partnership working would be to be more effective. So, Barry, can I come to you first? From, from a South Class perspective, it's kind of developing that longer term relationship with your um, academic institution. For us, it's the University of the West of England. You know, they actually provide us uh, an annual report in terms of how we're progressing our activity in terms of responding to the emergency. And so we've had that developing over the last three or four years um, where they provide that that critical support and that academic um, rigour to what the council's doing. And it's really interesting in terms of, you know, we get focused in local authority land and there is that gulf, as I've mentioned, between local authority land and academia. And that relationship on a local level helps us to, to bridge that gap. But it doesn't come easily. And I think we probably collectively need to work hard on how they fit in within our democratic arrangements, within our governance arrangements. And that's been the key for us in terms of writing the University of West of England as part of our climate emergency advisory panel into our governance arrangements that actually monitor and feedback on how effective our climate emergency program has been. And so they're formally part of how we do the business. And um, there's a memorandum of understanding between us, which describes how we do that business. And that's kind of solidified and established that relationship really well. And it's starting to spin off on um, numerous pieces of of, um, mutually supportive work. Hannah, can I come to you next? Yeah, I think um, one of the the important things for me is is having the opportunity to probably understand each other's strategic goals as a starting point. And that seems to be uh, really helpful in finding opportunities that are going to be mutually beneficial. You know, universities are huge, complex organisations. Councils are huge, complex organisations. And finding the right opportunity at the right moment can be really tricky. But I think if you can involve people in both organisations in coming together as a starting point to understand, you know, actually, what are some of our strategic goals? What are some of the pressures we're under? What things are we trying to achieve locally? That can help to sort of create a framework. And with both of our local universities, that's led to, you know, as Barry said, a a memorandum of understanding and the identification of some key areas where we really want to see if there's collaboration um, that can happen. And then when opportunities come across like this programme, it feels a little bit easier to sort of, you know, for the timing to be right or to find the right people to, to involve in the in, in those conversations rather than starting from scratch. And I guess to also then think about these programs or, you know, small pieces of funding or smaller projects as being, you know, something that can be built on in the medium term. It's it doesn't sort of just happen and fall away. It's a useful trigger or 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 starting point to kind of build that ongoing relationship, which I hope is one of the things that we that we get out of this project. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the scalability of all of these projects was something we looked for when when we first started this program and why we were so encouraged by all of the projects put forward. So absolutely. And Aaron, lastly, uh, what what would be your one key takeaway? I guess directed mainly at, at university colleagues, at academic colleagues, because it's um, it's kind of a, a a goal for all researchers really is to to have their research be reflected in, in in policy to ultimately kind of get taken up in some way that it impacts and helps the real world. And I would just I guess say that it, it's we shouldn't underestimate how much impact you can have locally just by speaking to the people around you and and engaging with uh, with. Uh, policymakers and local authorities and finding ways to implement the results of your research locally because there are probably a lot of questions that you've been sitting on finding trying to find a way to communicate 
and somebody else out there wishing they had that answer at their fingertips and not quite sure where to look. So I think in, in, in a lot of cases, you'll have people who are trying to implement uh, programs, particularly on, on climate change, where a lot of this is going to be done at the local level, and they might be resource constrained, they won't have time to go out and shop around all the different people who've been doing research in this area. And just having yeah, the right engagement with, uh, with, with people at, uh, at a university can be very useful and just helping the right people find each other quickly. You've been listening to Together Towards Net Zero. This episode was presented by myself, Olivia Lancaster, produced by UCL and LGA with support from UCL Public Policy and edited by Nathan Copeland. Our guests today were Barry Wyatt, Hannah Jameson, Dr. Alan Gillick. To find out more about the Net Zero Innovation Programme, visit www.ucl.ac.uk slash public policy. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from UCL, then head to ucl.ac.uk slash ucl dash minds slash podcasts. And finally, to read more about the LGA's climate change program, visit local.gov.uk slash r dash support slash climate dash change. Thanks for listening. And I hope you will join us again next time.